You know what? Just as we have storms in the, in the natural, weather storms, bad weather, we can have storms in our lives. We can have storms in our lives, personal storms. We can have storms when times when your parents break up or something goes wrong in your family. You can have storms in your life when things aren't going well in your work. You can have storms when people turn against you. You can have storms with your health. You can have storms at school when teachers like, man, they just pick on you. Eh? You know that? <laughs> you can have storms with your finances. You can have storms when just bad stuff happens. Tell the person next to you, I think he's talking about you tonight. <laughs> you know, when there's a storm going on in your life and the natural, there's one place you want to be. You don't want to be out in the rain getting wet. You want to find a place of shelter. And same in the spirit in our natural lives, in our, in our emotional lives. When there's a storm going on, we need to find a place of shelter, a place where we can find a rest. Now, there's good news. There's good news that God shows us where to find such a shelter. Because let me tell you, when there's a storm going on in your life, it's not going to do you any good to run off home, light the fire, close the curtains, grab yourself a hot chocolate and a hot sticky pudding. It might make you feel better for a short time. All right? But it's not going to cure the problem. I want to show you some things that will really practically help you because God speaks of a place where we can go. A shelter in a storm. I want you to turn. Have you got your Bibles with you tonight? I want you to turn in your Bible to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. And that is a powerful, powerful scripture. And tonight I want you to, to, if you haven't got your Bible with you tonight, I want you to go home and I want you to read it before you go to bed. Because this is good stuff. All right. It says, in Psalm 91. Who's got it? Yeah. Yep. It says in Psalm 91, and I want you to look at verses 1 to verses 4. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, say the secret place, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, and from the perilous pestilence, he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. And I'm going to go on to verse 5 here because this is so good. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Now that's a place I want to be, and that secret place of God. It's a place that talks about a hidden place, and it is a very real place. Do you know what? My wife was praying um, with my, my three girls um, one morning, and she got them to look into the Spirit and see what they see. And one of my daughters said, when she asked her what did she see, she said, I see feathers all around me. I see feathers all around me. This is a little girl. Who, she didn't know that scripture at all. This is a real place that God's talking about. It's a hidden place with God. And let me tell you, when there's a storm going on in your life, 
You want to find that place. You want to find that secret place, that hidden place with God. And maybe you say tonight, I'm a man. I don't need any hidden place. I don't need to hide from anything. I'm Superman. Guess what? You got rocks in your head. Okay? Because when, when things are breaking loose around your life, you need to find that place. You need to find that place because you were not meant to stand alone. You were not meant to stand under the onslaught of all the storms of life by yourself. You're meant to stand in the presence of God and in the shelter of the Most High. I want to tell you about a a man, uh, uh, John G. Payton. This guy was very cool. John G. Payton was a a missionary, early missionary to Vanuatu uh, in the 1800s. And uh, if you you know much about the history of Vanuatu, the first two Scottish missionaries that went, the first two missionaries went there, they were Scottish men. And... uh, Within 20 minutes, okay, 20 minutes, they got there going out to convert uh, the savages. You know what? Guess what? Within 20 minutes, they were dead, uh, and uh, not long after that, they were eaten. So that's a bad end, (laughs) okay? But uh, a a guy called uh, John G. Patton, a few years later, he decided, he felt the call of God, and he decided, I'm going to Vanuatu. And I'm going to preach the gospel there. And uh, this, is, this is neat. He goes, to, he goes to his elders in his church. And uh, one of the elders, when he says that, I'm, I'm going over to, to preach the gospel to these lost, lost people who don't know Jesus. One of the elders said, this guy called Mr. Dixon, he exploded and he said, the cannibals, you're going to be eaten by cannibals. Okay, but listen to this. Patton responded, Mr. Dickinson, you're an old man now. And your prospect is soon to be laid in the grave. It means you're going to die. Okay? And there, you're going to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. Hallelujah. Oh, you wait for this. And in the great day, my resurrection body will be as good as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. Isn't that awesome? Huge, 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 huge. But this man, John G. Patton, was one of the things that he knew about. He knew about finding the secret place, the hidden place of God. And he writes in his journal of an experience one night, when, one day actually, when uh, one, of the, one of the natives comes running to him and says, you've got to hide. You've got to hide. They're going to get you. They're going to kill you. You're going to be, you're dead unless you hide. So he went away with this, uh, with this native guy. And he climbed up into a tree. And he writes in his journal sometime later. And he says, being entirely at the mercy of such doubtful and indecisive friends. Imagine that. Half the time they love him. The other half the time they want to eat him. Okay, he lived with that. I, though confused, felt it best to obey. I climbed into the tree and was left there alone in the bush. The hours I spent there live all before me as it were but of yesterday. I heard the frequent firing guns and the yells of savages. 
Yes, I sat there among the branches as safe as in the arms of Jesus. Never in my sorrows did my Lord draw nearer to me and speak more soothingly to my soul than when the moonlight flickered among the chestnut leaves and the night air played on my throbbing brow as I told all my heart to Jesus, alone yet not alone. If it be to the glory of God, I will not resent spending many nights alone in such a tree to feel again my Savior's presence, to enjoy his reassuring fellowship. If thus thrown back upon your own soul, alone, all alone in the midnight, in the bush, in the very embrace of death itself, have you a friend that will not fail you then? Isn't that powerful? He wrote that true story, John G. Patton. Uh, he lived in, and uh, continued to work in Vanuatu and, and saw most of the population saved there. Incredible thing. You know what? A missionary hiding up a tree with his very life at stake. Natives, hundreds of them, running all over the place, trying to find him. At best, they want to shoot him. At worst, they want to cook him slowly over fire. You know what? That's a bad place to be. But in that place, this guy found the secret place of God. Now, you might not have a hundred angry natives wanting to roast you slowly over a fire. But I can bet you, if you're anything like me, there's times in your life where it's felt just about like that. <laughs> there's times in your life when the pressure and the storms of life come around you. And you're going to need to find a place where you can hide in the presence of God. What is the secret place that it's talking about? It's a place, it's a covering, it's a shelter. It talks about a hiding place, a secret place, a protected place. And through the Psalms, they talk about this place. This place is called the place of the presence of God. It's not a place where you escape from the realities of the world. It's a place where you engage heaven and life at the same time. It's a place where you stay attached to the presence of God. And the presence of God moves with you and you stay in the presence of God all through the trouble. You know, it's a place where everything can be going crazy around you, yet you're filled with an amazing peace. Now, just so you know, just so you know, the devil also, he's happy to provide you with a shelter in the storm. The devil's got a few umbrellas that he'd like to hand to you as well. He's ha really happy to lend you some umbrellas called immoral relationships. He's really happy to hand you an umbrella called drugs and alcohol. He's really happy to hand you an, uh, an umbrella called workaholism. He's really happy to hand you an umbrella called gambling. He's really happy to hand you an umbrella called the internet or the TV or shopping for things that you don't need and haven't got the money for. He's really happy to hand you the umbrella of overeating, okay, or undereating, or chocolate. That's right. He's really happy. Now, some of these things are not bad in themselves. There's nothing bad or evil about sticky chocolate pudding. Unless, of course, you eat too much of it. And unless, of course, that is your shelter in the storm. But you see, the devil, 
The thing about the things that the devil will offer you is, is that they will give temporary pain relief, but long-term agony. Temporary pain relief, long-term death. So you don't want the devil's shelter. You want the shelter of the living God. You need to learn to enter and stay in that secret place. So why would you want to find that place? I tell you, there's some blessings in finding that place. You'll look at them in verses 15 and 16. You'll see, if you look on in that uh, scripture, it says, He shall call upon me and I will answer him. If you want, how many of you want your prayers answered? You need to be in the secret place of God. Okay, I will be with him in trouble. That's the presence of God. How many of you want the presence of God in your trouble? You need to be in the secret place of God. It says, I will deliver him. I will honor him. Long life and satisfaction. You want satisfaction in your life? You want to be in the presence and in the secret place of God. Salvation. The secret place of God is a good place to be. You want to tell the person next to you, you need to hide yourself in God. So there's some real practical keys to finding that hiding place. Real practical keys. And I want to help you with that tonight. Because this place is a place that every one of us can access. It's a place that every one of us can find. And it's a place where every one of us can find shelter and protection in the storms of life. Because the reality is, is that we all have storms in our life. We all need to find that place. The first key is, in uh, Psalm 91 verse 2, it says, I will say of the Lord, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. I will say of the who? I will say of the who? I will say of the Lord. You know what? That's right. If you want to find the secret place of God, you've got to get it settled really clearly in your heart, in your mind. Who is the Lord? Who is the leader of your life? Who is the boss of your life? Who runs your life? Who holds the steering wheel of your life? You need to get that settled if you want to find the secret place that God talks about. Who's the boss of your life tonight? God. I will say of the Lord. He's the Lord. He's the owner, the ruler of the universe. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God is not a great big Santa Claus in the sky handing out lollipops. No, he's, he's not that. Some people think that he is. But he's not. In, in Matthew um, 7 and verse 21, Jesus says, You know what? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who runs around saying, Jesus this and Jesus that. Or Lord, Lord. Not everyone who has the religious talk shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. You've got to get it settled. The first key is, is you've got to decide who is the boss of your life. The Lord. It's a step of obedience. Jesus said well, to acknowledge him as the Lord is to say, Jesus, what you say goes. You know, the first step in, in, uh, in walk with God, Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When it's saying confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, it's saying, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. You're the boss of my life. 
You are the leader. Jesus, what you say, I'm going to do. Jesus, when you say, forgive your enemies, Jesus, that's what I'm going to do. Jesus, when you say, honor my mom and dad, Jesus, that's what I'm going to do. Jesus, when you say, put me first, put you first is what I'm going to do. When the Spirit of God says, through your parents, hello, that's not a great idea to go to that party. I don't want you to go there. You say, Jesus, that's what I'm going to do. And some of you tonight might be saying, but, but God's my friend. God's my friend. No, that's good. Acknowledging the Lordship opens the door to friendship with God. Acknowledging his ownership and his position in your life is a step that opens the door to the friendship of God. You cannot be a friend of God and live as a rebel. Huh? That's true. You know what? When I think of this, I think of Elijah's, chal Elijah's challenge. When he stands before the people of Israel, this is great, with all the prophets of Baal, all the idolaters, and Elijah says, how long will you guys falter? How long will you go limping between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. What he's saying is this, there's no room for standing on the fence. There's no room for one foot in each camp. He's saying, make a choice. If the Lord is God, then follow him. How many of you know that the Lord is God? Oh, yes. Then follow him. Follow him. Uh, when I think of this, I think of Joshua. At the end of his life, when he challenges the people, and he speaks to the people of Israel, and he says, Choose you this day. Choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. He's making a choice to obey. Will you take a stand and say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. You know, I've been wavering between two things. I've been playing with stuff that I shouldn't, that I've been sitting on the fence for too long. But tonight I'm saying, you are the Lord and I'm following you. There is none other than you. You have the words of life to who else? Who else will I go to? There's no one else. Jesus, you are the Lord. And tonight, I bow my knee. I bow in submission in my heart to you tonight. And say, Jesus, I'm going to let go of that unforgiveness because you're the Lord of my life. I'm going to choose to honor you with my finances. Because you, you're the Lord of my life. Jesus, be the boss and take the steering wheel of my life tonight. It's the first key. first key is acknowledge the lordship of God in your life. The second key is, you know what? This is not rocket science, guys. But sometimes we can hear this so many times. It's like we go deaf. Tonight, let your heart be open to God and say, Jesus, are you really Lord of my life? Or have I taken back the steering wheel? Am I, am, I, am I driving my own bus? Am I paddling my own walker? Yeah? <laughs> okay, second key. Second key. 
In verse uh, verse, uh, verse 2, it says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. I will trust. Tell the person next to you, you need to trust God. You need to trust God. What does it mean to trust? It means to be bold. It means to be confident. It means to be sure and secure. Are you sure and secure in the living God tonight? Are you sure and secure? Are you bold in that? If someone asked you tomorrow, they asked you what the reason for your faith is, you could boldly say, this is what I know about Jesus. This is the reason that I, I have hope in my life. Are you bold and confident and secure in that? When someone asks you or when someone presses you, do you just you get wobbly at the knees and look for somewhere else to hide? When you trust God, you're secure that He will look out for you and that He's got your best interests in heart. You know what? When you're secure in God, when you trust God, you're not worrying. You're not anxious. If there's worry and anxiety in your heart, if there's fear in your heart tonight, you know what? It's time to let that go. And say, Jesus, tonight, I'm putting my trust in you. I won't be fearful tonight, Lord God, because I know whether in life or death, I will be victorious in you. Yeah? Whether in life or death, I'll be victorious in you. And Proverbs Chapter 3 and verse 5, you might want to uh, turn there tonight. Great scripture about trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Tonight, who are you trusting in? Who are you really trusting in for help and protection in your life? You know, some trust in wins. Some trust in their friends. Some trust in their boyfriends or girlfriends. Some trust in their bosses. And some people trust in themselves. But tonight, who do you trust in? I trust in the Lord. I trust in the Lord. If your trust is in anyone but God, you're surfing for the rocks. You're heading for them. You know, God wants you to lean on Him and not on your own understanding. There's plenty of times and opportunities that you'll be tested in that. Plenty of times where you think, well, you know what? I could do something else here. Uh, help God out, you know? How many of you have ever tried helping God out? Yeah, I, I, I've done my share of helping God out. And guess what? Uh, it doesn't work. Uh, in fact, I found myself in a bigger mess while I was helping God out than if I ever let go and just said, God, I'm trusting you to help me here. Okay. You want to know there's an there's a incredible promise that goes with trusting in God. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, and it'll be on the screen beside us, behind me here. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
perfect peace, whose mind is fixed on you. What are you thinking about? What goes over and over and over in your mind? Do you think about the things, the troubles, the pressures, the concerns, the things that chase you around? Have you got those winding around in your mind? Or are you like the person that Isaiah says, that you will keep him in perfect peace? His mind is fixed on you when you choose to turn your thoughts and focus them on God. When you choose to think his thoughts, when you get into the word of God and you find some things. You know, when Pastor Dave was preaching this morning, I found some things that he preached on that spoke to my heart and my mind. And I thought that's a promise that I am taking hold of. When the preacher is preaching, are you looking for God to speak to you? Are you looking for the treasure in the word of God that you can say, that promise is for me. That promise is for me. I'm taking that. I'm living that. I'm speaking that. That's going to be a guide for my life. Why trust God? Because God is trustworthy. God, I'm going to do it your way. You know what? A simple way of telling whether you're trusting God or not is, do you trust him with your finances? Do you trust him with your finances? Are you able to be generous in your giving and, and, uh, and, uh, and offering? Because what? You know what? It's not about money. It's about where your heart is. It's an indication of your heart. It's an indication of who you really trust in life. Tell the person next to you, you need to trust God. Okay, third key, third key. You need to put God first. If you look in Psalm 91 and verse 14, it says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. It says to set his love on him. It means to set the focus of his life on Jesus. It means to put God first in your life. To be attached to, to be joined to, to desire. Who or what are you attached to tonight? You know, some people attach themselves to some crazy things. Some people attach themselves to their cars. Some people attach themselves, help us Jesus, to their cats. Some people attach themselves to their homes, to their jobs, all sorts of things. But what are you attached to tonight? What are you attached to tonight? It's the focus of your life. It's the priority of your life, Jesus Christ. Eh? It's the focus of your life, Jesus Christ. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Who do you put first in your life? Jesus tells a parable of where he invites, invites three people to a great supper at his house. And they all began to make excuses. One goes, oh, I bought some land. Hallelujah. Another one goes, I bought some ox. I got a business going. Another one says, I've married a wife. Oh, yeah. 
Now, you can understand them. That's going to take some time. All right? You see, none of these things are, are uh, sinful in themselves. But they became the priority of the people instead of the call of God on their lives. What takes priority in your life? Set God as first priority. You know what? If you're in a busy season and you work, this is something that I, that I learned a long time ago when I first became a Christian, was is that I would tithe and every part of my day to the Lord. When I was studying, I'd spend the first six minutes of every hour of study, I would send it, spend it in reading the Word of God and in praying and just asking for His help. I decided way back then when the pressure was on in exams that Sunday was the day that I was going to worship. I wasn't going to study that day. And my friend said, are you crazy? What do you think you're doing? You're gone nuts. Yeah? You're out of your mind. You're gone fruity with this religion stuff. I said, no. And you know what? I had the best marks ever. I got saved halfway. I got saved halfway through my, through my uh, university life. You know, up until that point, I had a C average, okay? My motto was is that if I got anything more than a C, I hadn't partied hard enough, okay, and, or, or I'd studied too hard. But when I got saved, God did something in my life. And he said, Doug, I want you to put me first, and I want you to become excellent in what you do. You know, I, I'm not any great brain, but when I did that, my average went from a C to a B plus, you know? So... Thank God, that's good, eh? Hallelujah. And you know what? I did it with trusting God and putting aside a day to worship and putting aside time every day to put God first. Who do you put first in your life? Is it your family? Is it, is it your husband? Is it your work? Is it your property? Is it your car? Whatever. You need to examine your priorities. Reorder them. And put God first. Put God first in your life. Turn to the person next to you. Tell them, put God first in your life. Okay, fourth key. Fourth key. Psalm 91 and verse 15 says, He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. If you want to find that secret place of God, you need to call on Him. You need to pray to Him. You need to spend time with Him. You know, it's an interesting thing that when storms go around in people's lives, they retreat into themselves. They close the doors in their homes. They run away and isolate themselves from the people of God and from the presence of God. That's a sad thing. Because when the storm comes in your life, you want to find that presence and live in that presence by cultivating prayer. Who are you calling on? Who are you calling on when you've got a storm going on in your life? Are you calling, Mommy, Mommy, help me, Daddy? You know, are you wanting your mommy or your daddy to get you out of the mess that you created for yourself? Eh? Are you wanting someone else to rescue you? Or are you calling on God? Are you calling on Jesus? Because that's the most important name. The name above every name. 
that you can call on and you can trust that he's going to answer you. Hallelujah. And Matthew 7, verse 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. You know, don't go silent on God. Don't go silent on God. Can I have the worship team, please? Don't go silent on God. Don't give God the silent treatment. You know, tonight I've given you four keys to finding that secret place in God. Real simple stuff. Now, it's not about whether you know those things already. It's about whether you're doing them. So tonight I know that as I've been preaching, some of you have felt there's been a storm going on in your life. There's been a storm going on in your life all around. It's all been breaking loose. Pastor Dave talked about it when he first got up tonight. And I sense it's something in the spirit. If that's you tonight, there's a storm going on. I want you to lift your hand. Just let me know. Yeah, there's a few of you, eh? There's a storm going on. And as I've been preaching, you felt the challenge. The challenge of who is the leader of my life? Who's really running this life of mine? Am I leading it myself? Or have I given myself over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? You felt the challenge of, am I really trusting God? Or have I been helping God out a bit here? And some of you will know that when I preached about putting God first, you thought, oh my word, there's things in my life that have taken priority over God. 